This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. So glad to see you, John. It's always fun to talk with you each week. How are you doing? How have things been going for you? Hey, Jalen, it's good to see you too. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that's exciting, I guess for both of us, not just for me, is we both celebrated birthdays this weekend. Um, and so again, a happy belated birthday to you, my friend. And uh, yeah, it was, it was just fun to celebrate. I did miss um, being in Chicago because I feel like we have celebrated together for many, many years. Uh, we didn't get to do that this year, um, but I am thankful for another year of God's faithfulness. So uh, from a ministry perspective, Things have been pretty good. Uh, we just wrapped up our mission conference this past weekend. So that was really, uh, it was exciting to have the mission conference, but it was also a relief when everything was done because it just felt like there was a, a increase in the amount of activity going on at church and that always just requires more energy. But something that I was just, uh, a, a conversation I was having earlier this week that I thought was interesting and relevant was, you know, I've been feeling a little bit like I've got these different areas of ministry that I'm responsible for. And it just always seems like one of those areas maybe is going really well. And uh, but then at the same time, there might be another area that requires a little bit more attention. And I can never get get it like where both of those or all of those different areas are going well at the same time. It's always like one after the other. Something needs more attention um, and more energy, more things that I have to do. And I think I was like a little bit frustrated about it this week, but I was having a conversation with one of the elders from my church about this. And we were just kind of talking and sharing about how ministry was going. And he just reminded me that, you know, on the bright side, it wasn't that like both or all of those ministries were, you know, struggling or, or, or requiring my attention. So he, he saw it as the Lord knew exactly what I could handle and uh, didn't give me more than that. And so that really helped me change my perspective on it rather than feeling like, oh, it, there's always something going wrong. It was more seeing it as, okay, like God is good. He's faithful. He's giving me uh, the chance to kind of pour into different ministries at different times rather than having to deal with all of it at, at the same time. So it's been a good week, uh, a challenging week, but a good one. What about you? Yeah, you know, I think that th that would be great if everything just worked perfectly. You know, where we had seasons where... You know, things were just running smoothly all the time. Everything was running smoothly. But, you know, I, I definitely think, too, that, you know, that helps us to lean and rely on the Lord so much more. You know, I think when things go well, we have a tendency, I have a tendency to just kind of rely on myself and say, hey, look what I did. This is great. Everything's going smooth and uh, take my eyes off the Lord. But, yeah, I'm glad that you've got elders there that, that can point you in the right direction. And a happy belated birthday to you as well. I don't, did you mention did you mention that we had the same birthday it's the exact same day i um, don't think i mentioned it earlier but i guess we just mentioned it to the, our listeners there you go so we have the exact same day for our birthday 
Um, so happy birthday to you, John. We're a few years apart. Uh, I don't know if we need we, to We don't have to get into details older. for that. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited uh, for our ministry. This week, we're starting a new project, a cohort that, we are, uh, that we've been invited to be a part of. And I know, John, I've told, told you about this before, but I haven't shared this on the podcast, but our church has been selected to participate in Trinity Evangelical Divinity School's Thriving Immigrant Churches Initiative. And so this is the first year that they're doing this, where they're taking a bunch of churches. There's actually 12 churches from around the country, uh, mainly from the Midwest and the East Coast. Uh, I think there's too many churches on the West Coast right now that are that kind of fit in that category of the immigrant church. But they're taking uh, the, the churches from uh, 12 churches from the Midwest and from the East Coast. And uh, we're part of this cohort where we're developing or understanding how to develop a healthy partnership between the first generation and the second generation. Uh, so Chinese, the Chinese congregation and the English congregation in our church context, and just really understanding how we can serve one another, how we can have better unity, how we can grow together, uh, looking at the different intergenerational challenges that there are and learning from other churches at the same time. So I'm really excited to start this. Uh, we're starting on this, this coming weekend. We're having our first Zoom meeting with these 11 other churches and the, uh, the leadership from, from Trinity and from the Thriving Immigrant Churches Initiative. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, on a personal front, you know, our, our, our kids are, are doing fine. They're doing well. We're celebrating, we're, we're celebrating birthdays now. I think I've told you before that all of our kids' birthdays are packed into the last six months of the year. And so every month we're celebrating a birthday. And actually today we celebrated our middle child, our third child's birthday. So that was fun and exciting. So things are going well in the, in the Chan household. Things are always fun and things are always happening, so. Awesome, that's super exciting, and a, a happy birthday to number three as well. So, um, you know, I had a question about that initiative. Are, are those 12 churches, are all 12 of them um, Chinese heritage churches, or are, there, are they from various different uh, immigrant backgrounds? So we have Chinese heritage churches, Korean heritage churches, and Nigerian heritage churches. I think those are the three, yeah, I think those are the three that we have right now. Oh, that's exciting to, to learn from some of these other cultural groups and just see how they've done things. And I'm sure that things that work have worked for the Chinese Heritage Church may not necessarily work for everyone else, but uh, it's always good to learn from one another. Well, I'm excited because today on our podcast, you know, speaking of learning from other folks, uh, one of my favorite people in the world is joining us on the podcast today. So today we have Reverend Dr. Tony Chan who is the Associate Director of English Ministries at River of Life Christian Church here in, um, I guess technically not San Jose, I think it's in Santa Clara, um, but we are basically next door neighbors, our churches, and um, some funny stories about, you know, actually I feel like I have a lot of funny stories of Tony, but we've known each other for many, many years now, right around the time that I started as the youth pastor at my previous church uh, in Wheaton, Tony uh, began serving as the full-time youth pastor at uh, another Chinese church that was just kind of down the road from us. So we were ministry neighbors um, back in the Chicago suburbs. Now we're ministry neighbors here. We've had a ton of overlap. You know, our students often went to the same schools. And so we've had partnership together and just friendship and, and fellowship together uh, for many years now. So Tony, welcome to the podcast. We're, we're so glad to finally 
get you on. Uh, and I'm also glad to, to have a friend here in the Bay, you know, uh, a friendship that has been developed even before arriving here and to be able to hang out with you here. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you guys uh, so much, uh, John and Jalen. Uh, I'm really excited to be on your show. I love you guys and I uh, love your show. And so thank you. Yeah, Tony, I'm really excited that you're here as well and looking forward to our time together. So tonight we're going to be talking, you know, more of, of, of conversational, I think, instead of, you know, typically we do more of an interview, but I think for the theme for today, just based on uh, what you've experienced recently, as well as John, I think it's a good opportunity for us to have a conversation together about really the idea of transitioning uh, into different ministries. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we, we like to start by asking our guests to share briefly their ministry journey, their calling into ministry. What did that look like for you? How did God lead you into pastoral ministry? Yeah, so uh, thank you for asking. So for myself, I mean, I'm Korean American and growing up just as an Asian American, I think the expectations that my parents had for me is pretty much they told me that you can be anything that you want as long as it's a medical doctor. And so that was pretty much the choices that I had. So it wasn't until when I was in middle school that uh, I went to a, a youth retreat for the first time. So even though I grew up in the church, I really hated the church. And so when I went to a retreat for the first time, it was a winter retreat uh, that I was invited to, I was just blown away because it was completely different from what I had experienced and had kind of expected of what the church to be and what I experienced growing up. And so uh, during the retreat, one of the nights, uh, the speaker or the pastor was just talking about how God is actually present and he's uh, speaking to uh, our hearts and that we have this God-shaped hole within our hearts, that we have this God-shaped heart with a hole that we try to fill with all these things. And we, we can't fill that hole, whether it's through uh, academics, through friendships, through sports. And no matter what we do, we have this sense where there's no purpose and there's no meaning and just this emptiness. And so the, he then he started to share why we had this hole in our hearts is because we're created in this way that only God can fill that hole. And so then he said, you know, uh, God is knocking on the door of your heart. Once you let him in, he said, ask, it'll be given to you, seek, and you shall find knocking the door will be open. And then he started pounding uh, on the lectern or the pulpit. And he says, you know, receive Jesus Christ right now just to uh, believe and that you'll experience his love and his grace. And so I didn't know what, what it was at that moment, but then I said, okay, God, I'll let you in. And for the first time I started crying um, and I didn't know what that was. And I started to see other students my age crying. And uh, even the people that I knew uh, that was at the retreat, I started to see lives being changed and transformed. And I think it was at that moment, I realized this is what I actually want to do. It was the first time where I found purpose and meaning where I wanted to actually be a pastor. And that was all the way in middle school. And so that was kind of the beginning of the journey. Yeah, you know, Tony, um, I love the fact that you have been serving in the, the Chinese Heritage Church for um, many years. Again, your stop in, uh, in Naperville, as well as your church here um, in South Bay. But, you know, as you mentioned, earlier, you are ethnically Korean. And so um, one of the questions that we had for you is, uh, what has drawn you to the Chinese Heritage Church? Um, like, why are you why are you serving in this particular context? And then, as we mentioned earlier, uh, when we were discussing this cohort that Jalen's in, there are, are many differences between the, the Korean second generation church and the Chinese second generation church. And so I was wondering if maybe you could just tell us some of the differences you've noticed, uh, maybe briefly, between those two. 
Oh, yes. Um, there's so much that I could uh, share in regards to that. And the reason is this, is that um, I guess my whole life, and especially when uh, I knew I wanted to go into full-time ministry and to be a pastor, just I grew up in the Korean church. So that's all that I really knew. And so I always imagined that I was going to always be in the Korean church. I was going to be a pastoring a Korean American church and that eventually I would marry and have a Korean American wife. And so that was, again, the expectation, but then God had different plans. And so it was when I uh, went to Moody Bible Institute, that's when uh, I met my wife. And so, so when I met her, uh, she's Taiwanese American. So when she was 16, she came to the States from Taiwan. And so when God brought us together, I think it was this question of, you know, why is God bringing us together? Because for her, she felt very strongly that her calling that God had given to her was after seminary to go to Taiwan to serve full time. And then for me, you know, again, I had no desire, no expectation, no concept of the Chinese American church. I think even from a Korean American perspective was that for Chinese Americans that when Chinese come to America, that what they build are restaurants, but for Koreans, we build churches. Like that was kind of the saying and understanding. So I never, again, um, in essence, really even visited a Chinese church. And so it was really, it blew my mind. Like, why is God bringing us together? And just, we couldn't understand that. And so as we started to pray uh, that we knew that God wanted us to actually be together. And so we made this commitment that if we were serious that recording one another and that we're gonna get married, uh, that we needed to seek and to understand why God was bringing us together. And so she was going to serve um, in a Chinese church uh, in the suburbs, but she decided not to do that because when we entered into a relationship, she decided to join me and to serve in a Korean church. So she served as a children's pastor and I served as a youth pastor. And so we served together for about two years in a Korean church. And so when she made that commitment, I said that after we graduate together, because you made that commitment that I'd be willing to serve two or more years in Taiwan after we get married. And so that was essentially the plan. And so I think that entering into a relationship uh, with my wife, that opened the door for me to start to learn and to understand the Chinese church more, and especially because she's a PK. So being a pastor's kid, I got to visit and see her parents' church and to see what the Chinese church is about and to visit other Chinese churches as well. Yeah, I really appreciate that you know, part of your story includes you and your wife, Ruth, working through, thinking through how to serve together and making plans together, seeking the Lord together. I think that's so important uh, to recognize that God has, has, you know, for those, for those who are married, there's, there's a calling for both of you, right? There's a calling for your family and to discern that and to know that. For you, having gone through that experience of, you know, growing up in the Korean American church and, and then now serving in Chinese heritage churches, what what aspects of the Chinese Heritage Church make it uh, like easy or enjoyable uh, for you to serve in? And then and the opposite question would be like, what are, you know, what makes it difficult or hard to serve in a Chinese Heritage Church? Yeah, I really appreciate the fact of being able to uh, do cross-cultural ministry in this way. I, I thought just in my mind that there wouldn't be any difference or that significant of a difference because we're both Asian Americans. And I, I just thought again, just uh, Koreans and Chinese would have the same culture. And so that it wouldn't be that much different entering into a Chinese church and Chinese ministry and that context. But I realized that it's actually completely different. And so there's a lot of things that I've learned to appreciate as a lot of uh, things as well that I 
have been able to, I guess, see more objectively in regards to the struggles and the issues as well as the strengths of the Korean church and as well as being able to then discern that within the Chinese church uh, as well. And so I see across the board, there's a lot of uh, aspects of the church and the Chinese church where shame is very different and the context of what that looks like within the Korean church versus uh, the Chinese church. And because I've been able to experience both ministries in the Asian context, to be able to see that a lot more clearly, like, wow, yeah, shame is not the same and it's different, even though we're Asian Americans, but yet because ethnically and culturally we're different, that that completely looks different. The way that missions and the way that church, the structure and the way that we do churches is, is completely different. So there's a lot of things that, again, I can talk about that I think I really appreciate in regards to the Chinese church as opposed to the Korean church. I think some of those things is, is that in general, of course, there's always exceptions and not all churches are, are the same. But just speaking more generally, I, I noticed that within the Korean church, there's more of a hierarchy. And so typically in the Korean church uh, that the senior pastor has a lot of the authority and the power and the decision making for the church. And so whatever the senior pastor says that kind of then uh, goes down. So a lot of the way that ministry is done is more so from top down versus a lot of uh, Chinese churches, what I've seen is, is that it's more kind of a community-based or congregational where a board of either deacons or leaders or pastors come together. And so that decisions are made corporately and together. And so I've learned to really appreciate that in the sense that in the Korean church, a lot of times that, you know, I think pastors and leaders don't have that much of a voice. But I've noticed in the Chinese church as I've entered that, it was very refreshing for me because uh, something that you really rarely see in the Korean church, especially is that if you are not an ordained minister or ordained pastor, you really don't have any voice whatsoever. And so in the Korean church, typically anybody who's a youth pastor is pretty much seen as like kind of at the very bottom of the chain. Uh, of the food chain in the church. And so the youth pastor has almost no say in regards to the vision and the direction of the church as a whole. But in the Chinese church, I think again, what was so surprising for me is, is that, especially in the ministry that I was uh, at, uh, my previous church, is that as a youth pastor, they really valued what I had to say and what I had to speak. And they saw me actually in essence, almost equal in regards to the whole pastoral staff. And that a big part of my role was also leading the, the board of deacons and the church as a whole uh, in regards to vision. And so that they didn't see me as being any less than any other pastor or that I was a youth pastor taking care of youth. And so they really kind of elevated and was expecting for me to be able to uh, be a pastor for the church as a whole and not just the youth ministry. And so that's one of the aspects that I've really grown to appreciate in regards to what I've seen in many Chinese churches. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that, you know, one of the caveats would be each Chinese church is going to be a little bit different. And so if some of our listeners are listening and they're like, well, my experience of the Chinese church has not been as positive as Tony's or um, my experience of the Korean church has been different. Like, I'm sure that there's pockets where it's different, but but generally, you know, I would agree with your assessment, at least from your perspective on the Chinese church, because I've, I've shared that, you know, that same view uh, but I was wondering, uh, the flip side of that question was, um, what were, were were there some things that were challenging or difficult for you as you entered into a different ministry context? Like, what were some things that required some adjustment, some flexibility on your part to kind of get used to, or uh, you see as maybe an area of weakness in the Chinese Heritage Church? 
So um, I think that as I just kind of shared the positives, that also becomes maybe a double-edged sword, meaning that a lot of times uh, the process of, I think, starting a new ministry or to uh, lead the congregation becomes very difficult when it's based uh, in regards to not a hierarchy structure where one person is a leader and a visionary and then says, this is what we're doing and then everybody follows. And so within the Korean church, I've seen actually when there's a new ministry that it's, it quickly develops and it happens very fast. But a lot of times I see in the Chinese church that a lot of that doesn't happen. It takes a very long time and a very slow process where uh, we have meetings and they're very, very long, very, very long meetings where everybody needs to have a say at the table. So again, why that's good because people all have a voice that's equal, but at the same time that becomes an issue because then uh, no matter what, like that we have to take the time to hear everybody and every single uh, um, idea has to uh, be brought forth and to be discussed. And so uh, many times, even in the church that I, I, I was at in the Chinese church before, even the idea of church planning became very, very difficult to be able to move forward because of the fact that there are so many different voices and so many ideas that we couldn't come to a consensus. And so a lot of times uh, before we decide to do something, it always had to go to a vote as well. And so again, just that idea of seeing ministry, not from top down, but a lot of times again, like. And like you said, John, that there are certain caveats and not all churches are the same, but in my own personal experience has been that a lot of Chinese ministries have been more grassroots, meaning that the members have to start it. It's not from the pastors and top down, but waiting for people to actually begin the ministry and to start from bottom up. Yeah, I, I think that's an important perspective to have that's healthy to think about because oftentimes for pastors, as we're kind of in our own context, we see this as the only way. Uh, for 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 better or for worse, and it's it's helpful to remember that there are other ministries, other churches that are led in different ways that function differently. And there's good there's good things and there's bad things about how that happens. And so I'm I'm glad that you brought that perspective. I kind of want to switch and and pivot a little bit our conversation um, because I know that re you've recently now joined a church. You've moved across the country within this past year to serve now at uh, River of Life Christian Church. And I know, John, it's just been a little bit over a year for you making that same move from the Chicagoland suburbs to the West Coast out in San Jose. So I kind of want to ask both of you guys, uh, how have you discerned God's leading uh, to both leave your previous church and then head to another ministry or another church? Because I know that wasn't an easy decision for either of you, but just, just what was the process for both of you in discerning that? And, and John, I'll start with you. And then Tony, if you want to follow up as well. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think Tony and I actually resigned around the same time from our churches. And so we have we have joked endlessly over the years about how we've followed each other in ministry. Um, you know, whether it was, it, oh, because I, I don't think we mentioned this earlier, but Tony and I grew up in the same town, same suburb. Um, even though we were a few years apart, we went to the same high school. Um, and so ending up serving in the same um, suburb of Chicago and then now in the same general area here in the Bay, it's kind of been a running joke for us. Um, but I remember, you know, this was the summer of 2019, both of us stepped down from our churches. And for me, it was like a long process. So I'm, I'm curious to hear, Tony, your story about it. But, but I had begun to feel um, that the Lord was starting to say, you know, your time, 
the work I have for you at Wheaton Chinese Alliance Church is coming to an end. And uh, I had all sorts of feelings about that um, at first. And uh, I mean, even, even throughout, I had all sorts of feelings. But I think at the end of the day, there was a big part of me that was like, you know, I feel like I still have a lot I could contribute, a lot I could do here. But for whatever reason, God is moving me into something new. And so um, as I kind of wrestled with that internally, I did what I normally do when I make big life decisions is, you know, you seek the Lord, but I also have trusted that he has, He speaks to me through the godly people that he surrounded me with, whether it's in my family, uh, ministry friends, um, you know, friends outside of the ministry context. But uh, and so I was having conversations with different people, with mentors, with my mom, with my siblings, um, with you, actually with both of you, um, among other among other friends, many of whom have popped up on this podcast. And, you know, I, I got all sorts of different thoughts, but I think the resounding thing that I was hearing was when God leads, we have to walk in obedience. And I got to a point where, where this is a longer story, but I, I got to a point where it was undeniable that God was saying it's time to go. And even though logically to me, it didn't make sense because I resigned before I had the next thing lined up. Um, so there was a period of uncertainty there that just felt like this is what God wants to do. And he used the people in my life to really confirm and affirm that decision. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of listening and processing externally with the people around me, but yeah, that's how it was for me. What about you, Tony? I appreciate uh, very much just uh, hearing from you because I think it's very similar, uh, the process that I went through as well. Um, I think that it was a season that for myself and even for my family, I think just really God was speaking into and confirming that uh, just our time at the church and the ministry was coming to a close. And I think there's so many reasons and I think it's, it's a lot to be able to unpack that and to go into everything. I don't think it's just one thing, but that there was a lot that was just happening, I think, both in the church as well as uh, in our life as a family as well. Uh, the church itself uh, was entering into a lot of different transitions and I think into a new season. And so I think that there was a lot of good closure uh, as our family left that we were able to leave uh, very well. Um, at the same time, I believe that uh, there were some of the things in which I uh, would like to share as well uh, is in regards to, I think that um, I was in the process for many years studying and finishing my uh, studies and my dissertation uh, for my doctorate. And so that I think that God was making it very clear that that's something that I needed to finish uh, as well. And I needed uh, the time to be able to do that. And I think that was one clear indicator as well as I ended my uh, tenure uh, at the church. Uh, and so that was moving into another season where I was going to finish my studies. And so, um, and I think another area is again, I think that I felt that up to that point that everything that I wanted to do for the church and in regards to ministry that I had in essence already accomplished. And so uh, that was another reason. And I think another reason was that I believe that I had to enter into a longer season of rest. And so the church was very gracious in the sense of that, again, um, I know a lot of churches don't offer this and to provide this, but that there was a sabbatical that I had received. And so it was an option of either six months or one year, and I had taken one year. And so that was a rest that was well needed. And so even with that sabbatical, um, I needed, I realized that a longer time, more than just that one year. And so I think just in regards to ministry and a lot of the things that I had uh, encountered in ministry, uh, that there was things that 
were very difficult. The burden of the ministry and just a lot of the counseling and the responsibilities that I just had, I think it weighed on me. And so it took a toll also on my mental health as well. And so that I did receive counseling as well. And that taking that sabbatical was very helpful to be able to actually heal, to find healing, and then to actually prepare me for what God had next. And so um, that was something that I think was very important as well to be able to transition to say that there's a time of rest and a season, I think, that God places us into ministry, but also where God then says that you need to rest. And so I think that that rest uh, was very well needed as God was actually preparing uh, us and as a family to enter into this new season. And so entering into this new season, too, wasn't easy. And so especially for a family, it was a huge move. Um, you know, I've never been to the Bay Area. And so even for this church to actually offer for our church, uh, for our family to uh, come to the Bay, I've never been to the Bay. I never visited the church. And so even the interview process, because it was a pandemic, was just simply online. And so when they had offered me the position, uh, our family really had to pray because everybody from my, you know, my side of the family and my wife's side, we're all in Chicago. And so for our kids, this is a very big move. And so I think the one thing, especially as a pastor that I didn't want, especially moving uh, as a pastor is that my kids in some way would ultimately resent me and more than resenting me for moving them away from their family and friends would be resenting God, that God was the reason why that they were taken away from their family and friends. And so it was a very long process as a family, continually praying and even crying together, and then ultimately coming to an agreement and consensus that this is what God wanted for our family. And then uh, that my kids understood that, and that until we came to that agreement together as a family, yes, that we'll accept this and we'll move together, that we see ministry as something that we do as a family. You know, Tony, we appreciate you sharing that part of the story. And I, I know that it was not a simple process. And we went through very similar conversations about, um, you know, the decision to move from the Midwest to the Bay Area. It, it was not as simple as just like, well, this is just a different ministry, but like a whole different, you know, just culture of life and, uh, you know, even cost of living conversations. Like we had all of those uh, in the process, like when I was making the decision a year ago, and then even more recently when you were making this decision, I, I remember when you told me, I thought you were joking with me, like, no, you're, you are not moving to 10 minutes away, just like before. Um, so that was a good laugh for both of us. Um, but, you know, Jalen, I'm curious because you've, you've asked us this question and, and we have had to go through that process of discerning a little more recently than you. Um, but I know that I think what, eight years ago uh, or so you were asking those same questions as you were transitioning from um, your role at uh, a church in the city of Chicago to now um, a church in, in the suburbs. And, and uh, it was actually different from Tony where we kind of went from Chinese church to Chinese church. You were going from a more, maybe a more multi-ethnic um, urban church to uh, a, a very different Chinese heritage suburban church. And so for you and, and for your family, what was that process like of discerning? So I, I don't want to leave you out of the conversation here. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I think that, it, you know, I was going to say that I think what I appreciate about both of your answers is that it was done in community, right? Certainly that it was done before the Lord, seeking him first and foremost, but including the people whom God has placed in your life, who know you and who understand the calling that God has placed on your life. And for me, it was very similar. I think having people in my life whom 
I know God had placed there to speak uh, truth and wisdom and life into me was very helpful. And one thing that Tony said uh, really resume, resonated with me, that the idea that the work that God was doing uh, through me at the church was coming to an end, just sensing and seeing that there was, there was, there was a, a sense of completion, uh, that the things were finishing up or wrapping up. And that, I felt that very much so for me as well at my previous church. Uh, there's a sense of, you know, I think there's always obviously going to be work that, that needs to be done, right? In ministry, there's always going to be lives that can grow deeper in the Lord. There's always discipleship that needs to happen. There's always more souls to win. But there, there's another sense uh, work that that comes to an end um, when we when the Lord leads us out of a ministry. And so I, I felt like the same thing that Tony was saying that there is, there is that, that conclusion. There is that sense of finality or uh, completion to uh, some of the ministry work. And so I think for somebody who is discerning, is God moving them on? A lot of it is certainly going before the Lord. Most of it is going before the Lord, but then obviously including the community that God has placed in your life, whether it's your family or your friends or your mentors or people who know you well, to be able to speak truth and wisdom into, into your life as you make that decision. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.